What's up, you guys? I am Micah Folsom, and you're listening to the Do Your Crap Podcast. I was overwhelmed, uninspired, and unfulfilled, and I knew there had to be a different way to do life. Turns out there totally is. And I found my calling in helping people learn and do the unsexy habits that build a legendary life. Each and every week, I'm going to help you bust through the crap that's holding you back and break down the simple habits and mindset shifts that will help you rock every aspect of your life. Are you ready to do the things that most people won't so that you can live the life that most people can't? Here we go. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Do Your Crap podcast. We have an incredible guest with us today. Uh, His name is Dre Baldwin. And for those of you that are athletes, you are going to love this one. So in just five years, Dre Baldwin went from the end of his high school team's bench to the first contract of a nine-year professional basketball career. While playing professional basketball, he pioneered new genres of personal branding and entrepreneurship via an ever-growing content publishing empire, which led him to blogging in 2005, and he began publishing videos on YouTube in 2006. He, get this, you guys, he's published over 8,000 videos to over 137,000 subscribers, his content has been viewed over 73 million times to date. Uh, now he has he works daily on his Work On Your Game podcast masterclass, which has over 1,700 episodes and more than 3 million downloads. He's, been give, he's given four TEDx talks on discipline, confidence, mental toughness, and personal initiative. And he has authored 29 books, y'all. He is legit. I am so excited to dig in. He's appeared in national campaigns with Nike, Finish Line, Wendy's, Gatorade, Buick, Wilson Sports. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. He's a Philadelphia native and a Penn State alum, and he now lives in Miami. So, Dre, holy crap. How does it feel to hear all of that, first of all? Because those accolades are, like, praiseworthy for sure. It's kind of long, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're worth it. Well, we want, we want them to know who they're talking to. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like it's been that much time, you know, since I first got into the, the game on the internet, but it really has been some time now that I, when I look back on it, so. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That's cool. So tell tell us more about you. Like, how did you how did you even get into? So first of all, let's go back all the way to high school. That that yeah. story I feel like is such a powerful foundation. So, quote unquote, bench warmer to professional athlete. How does that even happen? All right. Well, I'll give you the the three minute version of the, the right. whole thing. How all this stuff happened. <laughs> so, uh, come from the city of Philadelphia. You know, was always into sports. So I tried a, a few sports, a little bit of football. Never got to play actual, never really got to play football because my parents couldn't afford, my family couldn't afford the football equipment. So I never got the, the pads and the helmet and all that. 
and then did baseball for a little while, but I wasn't really talented at baseball. I played it, but I, I didn't really have the, I didn't have the tools for it. So gave up on that. Then finally got the basketball around age 14, which is actually pretty late for someone yeah. who wants to go somewhere to play in college, let alone the pros. But I stuck with it. Wasn't good at first, but I just kept practicing on my own. And mind you, you know, this is the 90s we're talking here. So there's no YouTube or Instagram for me to learn from somebody else. And right. nobody was teaching me how to play. Nobody took me under their wing. So I was basically self-taught on how to play ball. I didn't make my high school team until I was a senior, as, a, as you said. Sat on the bench that one year, scored two points per game. So anybody who doesn't know sports, in basketball, two points is not a lot. Now, maybe in soccer or hockey is a lot, but in basketball, it's not too good. So nobody was thinking that this kid is going to become something in basketball when I graduated from high school. Now, I knew I was going to college either way, whether it was sports or not. But since I didn't end, since I didn't have a scholarship offer, I knew I was going to walk on if I was going to play college sports. And for those who don't know what that means, this means no scholarship. Nobody knows you. You literally walk into the gym and you try to earn your spot. So I walked into the gym at a small college. It was a branch of Penn State University. Penn State has like 23 branches. So I went to one of the branches outside of Philadelphia, made the basketball team as a freshman. I was a starter, so I did pretty well. And I ended up playing no, Division Three college basketball. That's where I played at and didn't set the world on fire, but I was okay and I improved as a player. Now, upon graduation, I have a degree, but I want to play professional basketball. But at this point, I still didn't have any prospects. So just like coming out of high school, going to college where I, nobody knew me, coming out of college trying to go pro, nobody knew me. Nobody in the pro world knew who I was. So it's not like I had agents calling me. I wasn't about to you know, get drafted into the NBA or anything like that. And I wanted to play ball, and I knew overseas would probably be my route. But since I had no prospects, I really couldn't do anything at that point. So that first year after graduating from college, Micah, I worked a couple of regular gigs. I worked as a, a salesperson at Foot Locker, assistant manager. I worked as a membership salesperson at a gym called Bally Total Fitness. Now, they're out of business now, not because of me. I think I did pretty well for them. But uh, then that next year after graduating, one year removed, I went to this event called an exposure camp. Now, most people probably don't know what that is. Now, exposure camp is like a job fair, but it's like a job fair for athletes. But instead of you bringing a resume and just talking about what you're going to do and shaking hands, you actually bring your sneakers and your gear and you play that sport in front of everybody. So it's similar to people know about the NFL combine. It's yeah. similar to that. But anybody can come to the exposure camp as long as you pay the money and they accept you and they pretty much accept anybody who will pay the money. So you show up and you're in a gym with 200 other guys who want to play pro basketball. And the audience is filled with people who are decision makers from the pro basketball world. So we're talking agents, managers, coaches, scouts, owners from all over the world, they come to this event because they're looking for talent. They're trying to find their next yeah. player. And the thing about it, the thing about an exposure camp is that basketball is a team sport. It's five on five, but everybody on your team is also trying to get seen the same way you're trying to get seen. So there's this fine line you have to balance between being selfish enough that you get noticed, but also not looking like you're being selfish. So it's yeah. kind of hard to, to perform an exposure camp. And it's only two days long, so it's not like you have a whole month for, them, for you to grow on people. You have two days to show and prove. And you spent your own money. And mind you, these are a bunch of guys who are, many of us were not playing pro at this time. There were a few people who were, but many of us were trying to get into the game. So it's not like we have a bunch of money to pull from. A lot of us are just trying to get started. So I had to save up my last 250 bucks, and we drove from Philadelphia to Orlando. For those of you who don't know the geography, that's a 19-hour trip. And that's overnight. I left Friday, got there Saturday, and hopped out of the car 9 a.m. Saturday morning and went right into the gym and started playing. Now, at age 23, I can get away with that. Couldn't do it now, <laughs> but I could do it now. 
and uh, did pretty well over those two days, Micah. And the scouting report and the footage from that camp, I leveraged that. I started reaching out to agents. I was actually literally cold calling basketball agents because I knew they were the go-between between the jobs and the, the talent. So my first agent was, was who helped me get started. My first job overseas was, was in Lithuania. And we could talk about more about that. But let me tell you one other thing that happened from that exposure camp. The footage from that event was on this device called a VHS tape. Do you remember those the VHS tapes? I do, but some of our listeners might not. <laughs> right. So any of any listeners who don't know what a VHS tape is, Google it or ask your parents or your grandparents. That's they'll right. tell you what it is. So I got that VHS tape and I knew that this tape, you know, if you drop it, it gets wet, it gets hot. You know, the tape gets destroyed. You lose your footage. So I knew I needed to keep this tape because this is the most valuable footage I had of myself playing basketball because this is me playing well against pro level players, not division three college players. So I took that VHS tape to an audio visual store, got it transferred onto a digital CD and data CD and then put that into a desktop computer and uploaded that footage to this brand new website that I just heard of that said you could put up as much video as you want for free. Their website was called youtube.com. <laughs> so that footage, and this is 2005 we're talking here, just to give people a time frame. That footage started a parallel career for me that I didn't know was a career till years later. Because later on, I went and looked at that video. There were people leaving comments, asking questions like, hey, where do you play? Who taught you? How often do you practice? And I realized that there was an underserved community of basketball players who wanted to learn how to play, but they didn't have anyone to teach them. And the advantage they had over me when I was their age was that they could go to the internet and crowdsource information, whereas I was on my own and had to figure it out by myself. Yeah. So starting in that, at that time, 2005, I have this pro basketball career going overseas and I'm starting to get known on YouTube at the same time. So that's how it started. And then we can go from there. I don't want to tell you everything and we're going to take up all our time. Yeah, no, I love it. First of all, I want to ask, okay. how did you, because I feel like one of the biggest things that hold people back in life is belief in themselves. Mm. And clearly you were willing to bet on yourself. You were like, I know I want this. I know what I want. I'm willing to put in the work. I'm willing to do what it takes. What helped you really get there? What helped you believe in yourself when proof might not have been there? You weren't the start. You weren't the starter. You weren't the captain. You weren't the person who the scouts were coming after. What helped you continue to just have that belief over and over and over in every season? It's an excellent question. And it's, you know what the, the main thing is? There's a lot of different ways to, to answer that question. But the main thing, you know what? It's disagreeableness, Micah. I don't know if you or any of your listeners have ever studied like personality traits and mm -hmm. the way people's personalities are shaped. And when it comes to personalities, like six different traits, and I don't even remember what they all are, but I know agreeableness and disagreeableness is one of them. And Everybody is on leans to one side or another on a scale, not in a negative or a positive way, but just just how we are as people. Yeah. And people who are more agreeable, these are the type of people who are more team players. They're the type who are compromisers, the people who want to get along with everyone, people who really want to make sure that people like them, people trust them and people and they are doing what they know the consensus is going to go along with. Yeah. Where when you get your disagreeable type of people. These are the type of people who say, you know what, I'm going to buck the system. I'm going to go against what everybody else is doing. The fact that not everyone agrees with them actually gives them energy. And they say, oh, that's even better. And they're going to go yeah. even further into it. Disagreeable people are the types who become entrepreneurs because we look at what everybody else is already doing and say, you know what, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do it my way. And not only am I going to do it my way, I'm going to do it better than the way that everybody else is doing it. 
And when they see that not everyone else is going along with them, that actually energizes them. It doesn't slow them down. It doesn't make them feel bad. It makes them feel good. These are, the, these are your that. Steve Jobs. These are your Jeff Bezos. These are the people who do things differently. And then when they're right, they become legends. And that doesn't right. mean that you're going to be right, but this is what separates you. And it's, it's kind of funny. I talked about this maybe a month or two ago with my audience. It's funny that I played a team sport, but I'm very high in disagreeableness. You know, that yeah. I probably should have been a tennis player or a golfer. <laughs> Because I'm much more of an individual than a team player. But the main thing to answer your question, Micah, is that I just have a high level of disagreeableness, not in being a negative person. That's not what it means in this sense. It means I'm the type of person who when I see a way to go against what everybody else is doing and I think that I'm right, I'm going to do what I had to do to prove that I'm right. So when I saw all those situations that just this little bit that I told you that things weren't going the way that I wanted them to go, that didn't discourage me and tell me to stop. That actually encouraged me and said, OK, when I prove this, that's going to make it even look even better. And you know, here we are. I love that. Yeah, I love that so much. And I think every one of us have experienced that in some capacity when you have family members, whether like you're talking business, when you have family members saying, why are you doing this? What are you doing? You look like an idiot. You like you can't do this. You have this, this is stacked up against you. Some people that's going to literally smash them and let them stop mm -hmm. in their tracks and, and stop the goal altogether. Of course. And then the other side, it's like fuel to the fire. It's like, all right, game on. I'm going to prove you otherwise. Exactly. So it's really right. just kind of finding that within ourselves. I love that. So, mm -hmm. so how, how is that? Like, let's, let's move into the rest to the next part of your story. So now you're playing pro ball. Sure. And you're still building yeah. this online stuff. Where where did you start yeah. to really say, okay, this could be something, and then start to turn it? Because I know you started doing some motivational yeah. stuff and all that, all that awesome right. mindset side. Where where did it go? Take us on that journey next. Yeah, that's a great question. So this takes us from about 2005 to about 2010. In this five year period, a lot of things happened here. So I'm playing basketball overseas. And during this period, there would be sometimes I would have a contract and because usually the contracts were one season at a time. So I would play a season and then I would find myself out of a job and I had to figure out what's my next job going to be. I wait for my agent to call me. I went to a bunch of more exposure camps, more tryouts. And mind you, you're traveling all over the world. Sometimes you don't know where your next job is going to be. And it's very it's a very unstable lifestyle. You know, yeah. and as a. A young male, I'm meeting females and they're at, they say, oh, you play basketball overseas or are you going back overseas or no, when are you coming back or what's the oh, deal? Yeah. Like, it's hard to even get into a relationship because they don't know where you're going to be and you can't answer. Yeah. And it's not like you're going to give it all up, you know. So that's going on while at the same time I'm putting these videos on YouTube. And I was just putting them out sporadically for the first couple of years because what was YouTube in 2007? It was you no know, cat videos and you know, Johnny <laughs> bit my finger. Nobody yeah. cared about YouTube. It was just a place you put up some some okay. videos. And back at that time, if you're blogging or YouTubing, we weren't even calling it YouTubing. If that's what you were doing for a living, you were a loser you know, living right. in your mom's basement. Right? When are you going to get a real job? So <laughs> I was putting up the videos every now and then sporadically. I didn't care. And it wasn't until about 2009, someone sent me a link to an article that there was this woman named Michelle Fine, and she was making um, makeup tutorial videos on YouTube. And she was like one of the first YouTube influencers. We weren't even using the phrase influencer at the time, right. but she had gotten a contract from YouTube to make videos. And she, this was her full time thing, just make videos on YouTube. And somebody said, well, Dre, you make those basketball videos and you have people who like you. Maybe you can make money from doing it, too. So I went and applied to be a YouTube partner at the time. Because back then, believe it or not, you could watch videos on YouTube without seeing ads. 
now that, that time is gone. But I went and applied. They eventually accepted me. So around 2009, 2010, I actually started to get a monthly uh, deposit for ad revenue from putting videos on YouTube. Now, at this time, at the same time, I found myself unemployed from overseas ball. I didn't have a job at this time. I had played in a few countries already, but I was unemployed at that moment. And I really just had to have a come to Jesus moment with myself because at this point I'm getting into my mid to late 20s. And I'm like, well, what if my life continues like this for the next five years, 10 years? Can, I, can this work? Is this sustainable? And you no, know, I'm trying to live like an adult, but I don't even know where my next paycheck's coming from. So I asked myself a really important question. And the question was this, how can I combine the thing that I enjoy doing, I love doing, which was basketball, with something that I had some natural abilities, maybe advantages at, which was I've always been had an inclination for computers and the Internet. And how can I make money from that? How can I do all three at the same time? So the answer to the question was I already had a website. It wasn't you know, some big destination place. I already had a little bit of an audience. These basketball players watching me on YouTube. And I just read this book called The Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And he had explained, it was either on his blog or in his book, he was talking about how you can test out a product idea and put it up on a website and actually start making money from selling products online. So what a lot of people don't know is before Tim started writing books, he was selling, he had his own entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial venture. He was selling like uh, supplements and stuff, but it was driving him crazy because he was working 12 hour days and that's why he went on a little hiatus and that's where the four hour work week idea came from. Yeah. But anyway, I went and tested out what he told me, what he said in the book. And I started selling my own basketball training programs and I started writing more articles on my website and I started putting videos on YouTube every day in 2009. All that happened at the same time. So this is when we first start using phrases like social media, influencer, personal brand at the exact time that I needed it. So this was just kind of serendipitous that it happened in that way. But I took advantage of it. And that's when I started. I became an entrepreneur because I started selling these programs and people started buying them immediately. And mind you, this wasn't any some some big, crazy idea. I was selling four dollar ninety nine cent basketball training PDFs and I was selling them straight through making a YouTube video telling people, hey, I have this new program. It's called you know, practicing dribbling a basketball. Go to this website and buy it. One page website. So this was nothing crazy. All right. So that's how I got started as an entrepreneur. And at the same time. These players, they started to know a little bit of my story because I would always, one thing I always did, Micah, is I always read and replied to my comments on YouTube. Now, I don't suggest people go do this today. I would read and reply to comments on YouTube. It may be dangerous, but I would always do that. And these players, they knew my story. So they knew the background. They knew you got cut. They knew you walked on. They knew you hustled to get into overseas basketball. So they would ask questions like, wait a minute, why did you keep practicing? Like, why'd you keep trying? Like, how'd you get the confidence to show up and play well that last year of high school when you had one chance left to make the team? Yeah. Why'd you even try out again? Because most players get cut the first two years or the first year, they don't try anymore. Or you know, how'd you even get the idea that you could play overseas with the kind of background that you had? Because it's not like, again, nobody was knocking down your door to do it. And you didn't really have anybody in your corner telling you you were going to do it. There was no one really supporting you to do it. Why'd you even, why'd you even start? And why'd you keep trying? So I started answering these questions and I started doing this video every Monday, Micah, that I call it the weekly motivation. So every Monday, it was just a little selfie video before selfie videos were cool, where I would just take two to five minutes every Monday. And I would just talk about some mindset concept and I would just you know, record it, slap it up on YouTube. And I did the weekly motivation and people really took to that. I did the weekly motivation every Monday for about 400 Mondays in a row. And those videos, when I started talking about that stuff, 
that's when I started to draw an audience of people who were not athletes. This is the first time people who didn't play ball started listening to me. And they would say, look, I was, my son was watching your video, but I heard you talking. And I said, wait, what's he, that guy, he's actually saying something. I know he's talking to the ball players, but what he's saying actually makes sense. So I started to draw these people and they said, well, Dre, I subscribe to you. I don't watch anything you put out Tuesday through Sunday, but every Monday I watch that weekly motivation because that stuff applies to everybody. You know, that stuff applies at work. It applies in business. It applies in life. And this planted a seed in my mind. Okay, I can take this concept, this little piece of what I'm doing. I can do this even when I'm done playing ball. And the thing with a lot of athletes, if anyone who knows any athletes, that a lot of times when athletes stop playing, the day after they stop playing, they wake up and say, all right, now what? What am I going to do now? Because they didn't really think about it while you're playing. Because it's a great lifestyle. You don't have to work that much. You're, you're making your money. You're traveling. Everybody knows you. You're a star. You don't think about the fact that one day that ball is going to stop bouncing. The good thing for me, Micah, was that I had these periods where I had, I had been unemployed. So I already knew what it felt like. So I had already been thinking about this before my career was over. I, stopped, I didn't stop playing until 2015. But I was already an entrepreneur in 2010. So I was already putting these pieces in place. So in 2015, when I stopped playing, I already knew exactly what I was going to do. I was going to take this mindset stuff that I was talking about and I could work with people who were not athletes because I saw that they were taken to this message. You know, over time, I met mentors who said, well, you're an athlete. That's perfect. Like the corporate world, they love athletes because mm-hmm. you have this unique background and you can talk about leadership. You can talk about teamwork. You can talk about mindset. You can talk discipline. All of the things you talk about performance, everybody needs this at work. People wear a suit and tie every day, need it the same way that a basketball player needs it. So this was it was just perfect that I didn't know this at the time until I started meeting these people who knew more than I did. But my background as an athlete was actually the perfect mix for what I could do after I played ball. But who knew that we would have what we have on the Internet now? Who knew podcasting would be podcasting? Right. Who knew self-publishing was coming along? We didn't know any of this stuff was coming. It was just as I saw things. I'm just the type of person to go take advantage of it. I'd rather do it and fix it later than think about it, him and Hall, and then get started later on. I'll just go do it and we'll see how it works and then we'll make adjustments along the way. So that's how we got to where we are now. I love it so much. I could pick so many different pieces out of this to go next. First of all, I love the fact that you were always willing to pivot and willing to look for what the need was. So you, you, you would, you were consistent with certain things, but then when you saw that there was a need and some, and you could serve in a bigger way, you went with it. And that is such a, just to stay innovative and to stay growing and to stay forward thinking is such, I mean, it's such an essential thing as an entrepreneur, but I think it's so cool how you always were looking for things to intertwine and interweave in what you already loved. So you weren't saying, okay, well, I'm out of a job. Now I got to go make money. Let me just go settle. It was like, okay, what can I do what I love? How can I do what I love and serve and, and, and instead of Mm -hmm. like, I I feel like so many people get to a place where they're like, I just don't have what it takes or this isn't working out for me. So I'm just going to kind of step back into what's safe and what's comfy and what's, what's secure. And you, it doesn't sound like you were ever willing to do that. You were like, nope, this is what I love. This is what I'm passionate about. I'm going to find a way to make it work. And I think that's really cool and really admirable. And I'm not surprised that you've been so successful in doing the things that you love. And I was, I was looking at your Instagram over the week. I I like to kind of study my guests to just kind of get a feel (laughs) for what they're all about and, and who they are. 
and you're just so open. You're just so like, you'll get on and just in your stories and just have a conversation with your listeners and you'll just, you'll just share. And I feel like that is in today's world. That is what's so needed is just that connection. And I can tell you're so real and you're so upright, like you want to be connected to your audience. And that started way back in 2005 when people were starting to comment and you were commenting and you were replying on every single thing. It's just no wonder that you've been so successful. I just think like success leaves clues. And these are little things that our our listeners can hear and go, oh, okay. And just kind of connect the dots. Maybe there's some things that Dre did that you're not doing yet. And no matter what field you're in, it's applicable, right? So I love it. I love all of it. So I want to dig really, really deep into some of the things that you're most passionate about, which are discipline, consistency, like those unsexy things that are freaking magic in life. So where do you feel like, do you feel like there's some, or there's been some daily disciplines or habits that have helped you not only in your basketball career, but in your entrepreneurship, in your health, in your everything in life? What are some of the daily disciplines that you feel like you can kind of point to that have helped you the most? All right, you guys, we are gearing up for another month in my Get Fit for Life virtual gym. And I wanted to make sure you knew that enrollment is open. This is where I work with my clients and coaches for the long haul. We focus on big picture health in this space, more energy, confidence, joy, mindset, lifelong habits, and of course, fitting into your favorite jeans, looking good in your swimsuit, whatever it is that is your goal is what we work on in here. I will connect you with a total solution for your goals, the same workouts, nutrition programs, supplements that I've been using for over eight years. And what I love most about these is how convenient they make healthy living. These solutions are literally made for the busy person to simplify health, not complicate it. And as you all know, I love simple. I will be your coach through all of this. You will gain access to the amazing support and accountability we have within our private app. And this is where we check in every single day with our virtual community to cheer each other on. This is the perfect place for you to start your journey or to continue on if you want a group of people to live healthy with for the long haul. You can get all of the information at micafolsomfit.com slash get fit. And just be sure to fill out that goal form so that I can learn more about you and I can make sure that we get you connected with the solutions that are going to help you reach your goals and feel your best. One more time, micafolsomfit.com slash get fit. See you in there. No, oh, are you kidding me? We got too many and we don't have enough time for all of them, but right? <laughs> yeah, that it, the discipline is the number one thing. You know, when I, when I talk about my, my whole philosophy called work on your game, the first thing I talk about is discipline to show up every day and do the work. And those disciplines, the routines, the habits, the, the consistency, that is the number one thing. And, you know, I've written books about it. I talk about it all the time because that's the number one thing I think a lot of people are missing. And it's one of the most, the biggest misconceptions people have about being a professional, Micah, is people think being a professional means the job title or how much money you make or 
the the talent or the skill or the opportunity or the resources. The number one attribute of a professional is their consistency, is the fact that they are, you know exactly what you're going to get every single time. That's what makes somebody a professional. Now, do they need talent? Absolutely. Do you need skill? Yes. Do you need knowledge and experience? Yes. But there are people who have talent and skill who are not professionals because they yeah. fail to be consistent. So what makes someone a professional is the fact they do it every single time. If you think of a sport like basketball, what makes LeBron James a star is not that he had you know, 50 points in the championship, is that you know any game you go to, he's going to have 28 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists every game, every night. That's why he's a star. And if you look at the other players who are lesser than LeBron, they might do that once in a while, but they're not going to do it every night. That's the right. difference. So for me, when you ask what disciplines do I have, man, I'll just give you my morning routine. I'll tell Let's you these it. are the things I do every single day. So I wake up about 3.45 every day. I drink a liter of water. I do about 10 minutes of yoga, about 30 minutes of meditation. I eat two bananas. I, then I do exercise and that today it was running. I'll run maybe six to eight miles. I don't do basketball anymore. I might do boxing or I'll do some type of strength training. One of those three each day. Then I'm foam rolling and stretching. Then it's you no know, shower, shave, get dressed. I usually take a walk. I, I'm in South Florida, so the weather's nice here year round, nice enough. So I'll take a walk about a mile or a mile, mile and a half every single morning. It's a scenic place. Then I'm having a protein shake. And then I'm, I'm looking at my, I use Evernote and I look at my goals. I look at my vision folders. I look at uh, just the things I've written out for my life. Like what type of person do I need to be? What type of things do I need to do? What are the outcomes that I wish to want to achieve? I have goals. I set goals every month, goals every year, goals every five years, 10 years. I'm looking at those things and I'm, I start work at about eight o'clock. So the first four hours of my day, because a lot of people ask me about productivity because they see those numbers and then you've written this many books, you did all these videos and how are you so productive? And people are surprised to hear the first four hours of my day, I'm not doing any of that. The first four hours of my day is about me. Yeah. And what I explain to people is the self-care time is what pays for the work time. Because if I didn't do the self-care and take care of me, then I wouldn't have the ability. I wouldn't have the energy or the resources to do all the other stuff, like write the books and make the videos and do the podcast. So that stuff is like sharpening the sword. And each discipline pays for the stuff that might not be so it might not be the discipline. So, right. for example, someone who works out all the time and they have a routine for how they work out and take care of their bodies. They're in, they're fine if they go on vacation for a week and don't work out at all because they can come right back and jump right back into their routine because of the disciplines they already had in place. Is whereas the person who never had any disciplines, they take that time off. They're going to gain 15 pounds and they don't know how to get it back off. So the disciplines actually pay for the non-disciplined time. And it's something that I talk about in my in my next book that I have coming out. But that's the, the disciplines and the habits and routines. Micah is my life is based around that. So some people look at it and say as well, it's very it can be mundane. It can be robotic it can get boring It's the same things over and over again. And what I explain to people is and I think. Um, I think it was Jocko Willink who wrote a book about it. It was called Discipline is Freedom. The discipline is the freedom that allows you to do anything that you want to do. Because I'm so disciplined, I can do anything. I can take a week off and do anything that I want. And when I come back, you won't even know I took a week off because the discipline is already in place. So it's actually the opposite of what a lot of people think when it comes to having the disciplines and the habits and routines in place. 
I love it. I have an entire episode on discipline creates freedom. So you are like speaking my language right now. It's all, <laughs> oh, I love all this stuff so much. One of the things that you mentioned too, that I want to make sure that, I mean, maybe they didn't hear, but I heard was you mentioned when you're looking at your vision folders and you're, you're looking through who you want to be, what you want to do mm -hmm. in order to create what you want to have that mm -hmm. the be do have is what most people get backwards, right? They want to oh, yeah. have the thing right. so they can do the thing and then be the person that it takes. And it's always opposite. And I love that. That's, I mean, that's clearly what you're all about. You, the foundation is who we are. You take care of you first for four mm -hmm. hours of taking care of Dre so that then you can show up and serve people and fulfill your mission. You don't, you don't do it. You don't do it backwards. And I think you've built your life around that, which is so cool. Oh, so 100%. Let's dig into if someone is struggling with creating those routines, like what would you say to that person who's like, well, that's all, that's great for you, Dre, but <laughs> I've tried or I'm struggling or, or how do you get to a place where it just becomes your identity? It just becomes who you are. You are disciplined, not you're trying to be disciplined. Right. Well, it starts with the self-image right there. What you just said is that you are a disciplined person, which is part of the being, right? Who are yeah. you being as a person? Now, the question then is the question before that is in order to see yourself as that type of individual, why would you want to do it? Because nobody does something for nothing. So what I tell people when it comes to discipline, because obviously everyone understands it and most people understand that it will be useful for them, but a lot of people have a hard time implementing. Yeah. So they say, well, how can I be disciplined for working out if I hate working out? How can I be disciplined for eating healthy if I like eating unhealthy? The answer is you have to find something and it doesn't have to be the thing itself. It can be the result of the thing or the result of the result that you want enough that you are willing to be disciplined in order to get it. For example, a person who is, let's say you're not in, they're not in great shape and they don't like working out and you hate exercise, but you know exercise would be useful for you. So you're not going to get disciplined for exercise because you just finally decide to love exercise when you're 52 years old. You're not going to just start loving exercise. So what can get you to go to the gym? It's what's going to be the result of exercising? Why do you even want to exercise? Why does it matter? Maybe the result is enough to pull you through the thing that you might not like that much. And that could be you go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, listen, heart disease runs in your family. And if you don't get in shape and lose 30 pounds in the next six months, uh, you might not be here to see your grandkids. That might be a strong enough pull to get you to start going to the gym, even though you hate the gym. Yeah. Your hate of the gym is not as strong as your desire to be alive to see your grandkids grow up. So this trumps this. So in the hierarchy, it's over top of it. So that will move you to, the, to take that next step. So you might not like doing yoga or drinking water or exercising every day, but do you like the results of it? Do you like what you're going to get from doing that? And this is the, the thing that everybody needs to figure out. Like, what is that outcome that I want to get? Because not everybody enjoys that thing. And we're all different. So you don't have to enjoy the thing, but you do have to have something that will pull you through the part that you don't like. So, for example, you know, I eat a, a box of raw organic spinach every day, straight out of the box. No, whole no box? vinaigrette, no nothing. Five ounces, yes, every You're day. You're awesome. And <laughs> well, the spinach is not, the spinach doesn't taste that great, but you get used to it. It kind of tastes like water. It's like eating grass, almost <laughs> freshly cut grass. The thing is, I know the benefits of eating the spinach every single right. day because I've read up on it. I know what I can get from it. So even though the spinach doesn't taste as good as some Oreo cookies, I can deal with eating the spinach because I know what I'm going to get from it. 
and it becomes a discipline. And then when I start sharing it with my audience and people see it, they're like, oh, Dre, did you eat your spinach today? So now it's almost like I've tied myself to it. So now it, it, almost, it becomes a habit because I know the outcome that I'm going to get from it is not so much that I enjoy the act itself, is that I know what I'm going to get from it as a result. And that's the number one thing that pulls people through. And that's what alters the self-image. So when you change your self-image of what type of person you are, the actions automatically follow. So if you tell yourself, I'm the type of person who is fit and healthy and I take care of my body because I only get one physical body, then the actions of that type of person will automatically flow. And when you understand what those actions are, you're more willing to do them because you've changed your self-image. The biggest challenge many people have with discipline is that they have this unhealthy self-image of, I'm not a disciplined person. So no matter what you show them, no matter what strategies you give them, no matter what coaches they hire, no matter what books they read, they will always find a reason to not follow through on the discipline simply because they see themselves as a not disciplined person. So the biggest thing is we have to change that being that the being is the foundation. It is the, the ground floor of the building. If the ground floor slips, the whole building falls apart. So it doesn't matter what you tell them to do. It doesn't matter what their goals are. It doesn't matter who's trying to help you if the foundation is shaky. So the foundation is what type of person do you see yourself as? When that changes, everything else will automatically change with it. I love it so much. You are everything, everything that I love and represent and preach. You are speaking to my soul right now. Um, so good. So let's talk about, I know you, you talk a lot about mindset over strategy and mindset over tactics and lots of people have that backwards. So let's kind of go into the business side of things for someone trying to build a business and they are quote unquote, doing the things, not getting the results, but still struggling with that belief in themselves or confidence or whatever, what would you say to them? Like, just where would you go? How, how important is it to, to build everything on a solid foundation, which is obviously the mindset, the personal growth, the foundation that is the only way to set up, I feel like a thriving right. life around. Um, where would you start with that? Where, how would you help them? Well, in the first place, we definitely have to start with the mentality with what type of person are you and who are you seeing when you look in the mirror? It's under, and I wish someone had taught this to me when I was building my business. I yeah. just started doing stuff haphazardly and I had to kind of go backwards and figure it out later on. But the first thing is figuring out is understanding the mindset of the entrepreneur, understanding the mindset of the person who's going out there and you know you eat what you kill. And if you kill nothing, you starve that day. And that's that's a mentality. And people really have to understand it. And once they have the mentality in place, the mentality is the four pillars of my philosophy is the discipline, showing up every day, do the work, confidence, putting yourself out there boldly and authentically, because as an entrepreneur, that's all you're doing is putting yourself out there every single day. Yeah. Third is the mental toughness is continuing to show up and putting yourself out there, even though everything you try is not going to work or most of the things you try are not going to work. I don't know about you, Micah, but most of the things I've tried didn't work. As the few things that did work that I just kept doing and then I can create a success story. But I got a lot more failure stories than success stories. And then is the personal initiative to be an entrepreneur. Again, there's nobody looking over your shoulder. All right, there's nobody ringing the bell and saying, all right, it's time to start work. Here's time to stop work. Nobody telling you when to go to lunch. Nobody telling you when to come back or telling you to get off your social media feed. You had to do it on your own. So that personal initiative to be a self-starter and be your own boss and be your own, be the, the leader of your own organization, even when it's just you working by yourself. So that's the foundation. Those things have to be in place first. And the next thing is the strategy. 
And the difference between the strategy and the tactics, which a lot of people don't quite understand, is that the strategy is the overall vision of how you want things to take place. What is it that we actually want to get done here? And the tactics are the little details of how we can get them done. So, for example, a strategy can be all right, you need to do 30 minutes of exercise every day. And that's a strategy. The tactics are I'm going to get on a treadmill. I'm going to ride a bike. I'm going to lift weights. I'm going to take a boot camp class. I'm going to hire a trainer. I'm going to do a boxing workout. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The tactics are interchangeable. You can try different tactics. The strategy is this thing needs to happen. It needs to happen this, then this, then this. How we do it, you can choose to do on your own. That's kind of how Napoleon Bonaparte back in the, the war days he would give his generals a mission statement, say, this is what you need to accomplish. Do it however you want. Just get this done. That's the strategy. And the tactics are up to you. So the second thing would be people just understanding the strategy. All right, this is what we need to do. All right, you need to be bringing people into the top of your funnel. They need to be aware that you exist. You need to move them through the stages of a sales funnel. And then we're going to squeeze people out. But we need to be continually putting people into the funnel. So we need to figure out what's going to be your source of leads. What's going to be your, the way that you nurture your audience? How are you going to tell them about your products and services? What kind of offers are you going to make? That's more of the strategic side. And then tactically, we can try different things. You can run some Google ads, some Facebook ads. You want to be on somebody's podcast. You want to start your own. You want to go do speaking gigs. You want to do a TED Talk. Those are all tactics. So it's just people understanding the difference between the three and the value of each, each one. And then just understanding the hierarchy, that the mindset is the foundation because sometimes you might have the wrong strategy. So then what do you do? We got to come back to the mindset. And every tactic that you try, you try 100 tactics, 90 of them probably won't work, right? Especially when you first start. Right, so now, not feeling bad about those 90. It's kind of like they say with a baseball player, you're successful three out of 10 times, you make the Hall of Fame, right? And yeah. they give you a million dollars. So it's understanding not every tactic is going to work, but the mindset is the foundation so that your whole facade doesn't fall apart. So then the strategy gets built on top of that. And then you keep trying different tactics and not marrying yourself to the tactics. You marry the strategy, you date the tactics, and then we keep trying things until we find something that works. So that would be the, the general way that I would do it. You know, and when I'm talking to a specific person, I find out exactly what they're doing and then we get a little bit more specific. Right. I love it so much. Uh, I feel like when people struggle, when they, when people don't take care of the mindset and everything first, 
everything they do at that point is connected to their worth. So when they fail, which is, we always do, that's part of learning, that's part of growing. It's then it's a hit on who you are. It's a hit on your being because you're, you haven't, you haven't really figured that part out yet. You aren't confident with who you are. You aren't, you aren't willing to separate yourself from who you are and what you're doing. And it's kind of one in the same. And I feel like that's where I, especially the women I work with, that's a bit huge struggle is, well, I did the things and it's supposed to work, but it didn't. So I'm a failure. I suck. I can't do this. I don't believe in myself. And then everything comes back to who they are actually, instead of the tactics and the strategy, like let's tweak that. I'm still confident. I'm still moving forward. I'm still worthy of success. I'm still, you know what I mean? When the foundation is there and I wish, uh, I just want to shake people when they're going through this (laughs) and they skip, they want to skip the foundation. They want to skip the mindset stuff. They want to skip the, the, everything that everything is built on. And then I'm like, no, it's not going to work. It's going to crumble. It's going to crumble because it, that's just part of the game. You got to fail. You got to lose. You got to, you got to experience the negative in order to grow through it and experience the positive. That's right. That's right. And that's why people like me and you exist. (laughs) Right. We got to get the word out. We got to get the word out. Um, one of the things as we're wrapping it up, one of the things that I saw on your page that I loved is you were just talking about that idea of if you're not willing to lose, you can never really win. And Mm -hmm. I just want our listeners to hear that over and over and over because most people just think about the positive. They just think they want, if they're in an entrepreneurial adventure, they want it to feel good. They want it. They want to experience the positive only. They want to experience the yeses. They don't want to experience the negative or the bad or the haters or the rejection or the, all of those things are just getting you one step closer to moving forward, to learning, to tweaking, to, to growing towards where you're going. And I just love that you talked about that on your page. Cause it was a good reminder for me too. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Cause it's a lot easier to stay safe sometimes. Right. That's right. That's right. And it's, it's just understanding that you have that, the yin and the yang. And you know, yeah, yeah. one thing that I coming from the, the sports world, we, I tell athletes all the time, uh, you're only as good as who you beat. You know, you, if you're playing a basketball game against somebody who you know can't beat you and you win, I mean, you won, but did you really? I mean, you got to beat somebody who can beat right. you. You know, if you're in a combat sport like boxing or MMA, it's not really a win if you're fighting somebody who you know can't knock you out. Like, that's, what ma- that's the value of the victory is that you beat somebody who could beat you. And in life, it, the value of your success is in what you had to come up against in order to achieve that success. So that. when you're, you know, as some people say, you're born on third base and then you end up coming home, like that's cool. But what do you have to go up against in order to get there? So I, I tell people, be thankful if your, your parents didn't leave you a lot of money or you weren't born into some privileged situation because then you had to earn it from zero. So you know what it feels like to be outside of the stadium, let alone on third base. You had to work your way in and then you had to go all the way around to get to where you are. And it's the same thing in life. The value of the win is in the fact that you could have lost. That's why people celebrate when they win, not because they won, but because they could have lost. And if you couldn't have lost, then you're not that excited when you win because 
what, what, what else was going to happen? <laughs> you, the only thing that could have happened was you winning. And the value of life, everybody who's listening to this right now, is that one day all of us are going to be gone. And the value of life is that one day this is going to end. And that's why we have to take advantage of the opportunity that we have in front of us right now. And the value of success, whenever, whenever someone achieves success, they get a trophy or they win some, uh, some award in an award show and they get up on stage and people are crying, they get all emotional. Why do people get so emotional? It's not because they're so happy that they have this piece of metal and plastic right, that costs $35. It's because they know what it felt like when they were sitting at home and not sure when they would make their next dollar or not sure if they would ever get another opportunity. They think about that when they get to success. That's why people get so emotional over success is because they know what it feels like to lose. So in life, we need that balance. Right? You need the fact that you might fall over the edge of the cliff to make to understand the value of staying up there and crossing that chasm. You need the fact that you might possibly lose to understand the value of winning. And most of us in life, there are a few exceptions of people who just go undefeated their whole lives. But most of us have experienced loss. Most of us experience getting smacked in the face and being down on our face and having to get up. That's what makes winning the what winning is, is the fact that we know what it feels like to be the loser. So you need that balance. So we don't need to eliminate losing. We don't need to eliminate the possibility of failure. We actually need more of it so that everybody can value it when we get to that peak, when we get to that position of winning, because we know what it feels like to not be there. I love it so much. I love it so much. Where can our listeners get more of you? I know they can find you on Instagram at Dre Baldwin. Where can they get your books? Yes. I know you have a new one coming out, don't you? Yes, I have a new Tell one coming out. It. Got it right here. Yes, <laughs> new book is called The Third Day. It is the decision that separates the pros from the amateurs. This book is based on one of my, probably my most um, popular frameworks. So anytime I give a keynote or a speech or anything, uh, the third day is the first thing I talk about and is the one thing that everybody remembers. People always tell me about the third day. And it's all about any situation in your life when the newness has worn off, the novelty is gone, things are no longer exciting anymore, and you realize that what you're doing is not all fun and games. Entrepreneurship oh, is not as fun as it looks on Instagram, right? Having a podcast <laughs> right. is not as exciting as just having a whole bunch of followers and subscribers. Selling courses is not as fun as it, it looked with that person who's selling all that stuff. It's you no, know, there's some actual work that needs to be done here. And this, this happens in relationships, it happens as a parent, it happens in sports, it happens at jobs, it happens in businesses, it happens in anything that eventually we get to a point that we realize that this is not all a carnival and there's some actual work that needs to be done. The third day is that moment. But what this book is really about is the decision that you make in that moment. What do you do in a moment when you're not feeling like going to the gym, but you have a workout schedule? You don't feel like getting on the mic because maybe you're not getting as many subscribers to your show as you want, but you're supposed to record an episode today. What do you do when you're supposed to step on that stage and give a speech, but your last one bombed and you don't think the audience is that big? What do you do in that moment? Do you still show up or do you just mail it in, as we say in sports? That's what this book is about, having the discipline and the mental toughness to push yourself to bring your best effort consistently because, again, the consistency is what makes somebody a pro. It is not talent. It's the consistency. Not what you do at your peaks is what you do consistently so that people know exactly what they're going to get from you because literally that's what we pay for. You think about your Wi-Fi connection. How do we feel when our Wi-Fi goes out for 20 minutes? We get pissed, Bad. right? Because <laughs> we're expecting it to be consistent. That's yep. what we pay for. It's the same thing with all of us as performers. So anyway, this book, you can get it for free. I get away, give away the book for free. All you have to do is cover the shipping. If you just go to thirddaybook.com, that's spelled out, thirddaybook.com. The book's free. All you do is cover the shipping. The link is in my bio on Instagram, at Dre Baldwin. And that's it.
I love it. I love it. I'm definitely going to go grab it. You are awesome. I'm just so, I'm so grateful that you took time to come on the show. Um, I was an athlete growing up. I played college volleyball. My husband played football in the NFL for a couple of years. So like all of this athlete talk is just bringing so much joy to my soul right now, but it's the coolest thing because everything is parallel in sports in business in relationships. And that's the beauty of it. When you figure out how to be disciplined, that's not just in one area of your life that trickles into every single area of your life. And that's, that's why when you see people who are Mm -hmm. successful or who have reached success in whatever area, I mean, not always there's, there's some outliers, but lots of times they are successful in multiple areas of their life. And that's my goal Mm -hmm. for my listeners. I don't success to me is not just a lot of money or just a lot of followers or just whatever success is fulfillment success is impact success is joy in life and so if you guys can walk away from some with some tangible things that dre shared on how to build these disciplines how to build the foundation once you build that you can then create anything that you want in life because everything is built from this foundation that he's talking about so go grab his book go find him on instagram he's he's like drop in fire every single day for those of you that are struggling with motivation or inspiration or whatever he's going to be there to give you that to give you that fire that that will remind you why you are worth showing up for every single day all right so dre thanks for hanging out once again and you guys go find him on insta at dre baldwin tag him tag me when you share your nuggets and we will be sure to share them with our audience as well all right until next week see you guys Wrapping up another episode, and I just want to thank you for sticking around. Before you head out, I would love to hear from you. It would mean the world to me if you left this podcast a quick review wherever you're listening from. And if you got some nuggets from the message today, don't forget to share it with your friends, your team, and your Instagram story so that anyone else who needs it can find it too. And be sure to tag me at Micah Folsom Fit so that I can shout you out and share your page with my friends. Thanks for hanging. Now let's go take action on those goals and dreams because if you can feel it in your heart and see it in your head, then you can hold it in your hand. So until next time, go do your craft.